Welcome to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory. and Welcome back to another episode of The Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we are going to rank the five, not four, Indiana Jones movies. Meaning, I just recently saw The Dial of Destiny with my children. And any of you who are a somewhat long-term listener of this feed knows it is exceedingly rare when I go to the movie theaters to actually see a movie. And I remembered why when I was perusing for tickets and the local cinema's matinee was $19 and the kid ticket was like $17. Other way, I was able to find a place further away that was $10 for a matinee. So I sucked it up and I went. And I think 90% of the movies I've seen since 2015 in the theaters were with my children. I saw the three Star Wars with them. I saw a couple of the girl movies with my daughter. And so I took all the kids to see Dial of Destiny. My six-year-old, even though I bought her a seat, had to sit on my lap for the two-and-a-half-hour-long movie. We'll comment on that in a second. Now, we're going to rank these from my least favorite to most favorite. There will be spoilers when I get to Dial of Destiny. So when we get there, if you haven't seen it, speed up. Fast forward because it's not going to be the worst and it's not going to be the best. So definitely fast forward past that and you can listen to it at another time. Check out the rankings I did of the Star Wars movies. I did that back in January of 2023. And I threw in Solo and I also threw in Rogue One. All right, Indiana Jones. I was seven years old when Raiders came out. This movie was highly formative for me. All of Harrison Ford's work is highly formative. We did a Liam Neeson versus Harrison Ford episode, May and I did. I think it's going to come out after this comes out. It's hard to pair up Harrison Ford with somebody because Ford can do action. So can Liam Neeson uh, to a certain extent with, with uh, Phantom Menace and with the Taken movies. But it's really hard to pair him up because he has such a wide variety of skills. But either way, the Spielberg directed, directed movie produced by George Lucas was very, very influential. And I think it was very influential for a lot of people. Both the character of Indiana Jones and Han Solo, along with some of the Star Wars characters, were very influential. And so when this movie came out, even though it did not get good reviews at Con when it was released there in May, I was like, well, my kids have seen all these movies, essentially, aside from one of them. Let's take them. Okay, so we're going to go from worst to favorite. Number five. Crystal Skulls. Now, this is not shocking. South Park, of course, did a famous episode about the kids going to see Crystal Skulls, and I think they end up blind afterwards. They're so traumatized. I rewatched this. Now, if you have, I think they're all on Disney, right? Because they're owned by uh, Disney now. Go check Di- go go check this movie out before you see Dial Destiny, because it is important because there is some continuity. Upon revisiting Crystal Skulls, and I'd only seen it since it came out, so I haven't seen it in the last 14 years, it is not as bad as we remember it to be. The opening sequence is pretty good. The scene at the atomic bomb demolition is pretty good. And the scene, I think, in the river with the killer ant is pretty good. 
But yes, the movie is lacking. Kate Blanchett, I think, does an admirable job as the, the communist bad girl in this. And yeah, her accent's a little, maybe a little off, but she's dedicated to the role. And I think this is not the problem with the movie. The problem with the movie is, is the stupid killer monkeys. And of course, the last, not the coda part where Indy and Marion get married, but the end with the aliens and all that was just so ridiculously stupid. And there's other issues with the movie. There's parts of the movies you could skip. I think the problem with the movie is the writing wasn't good. The directing wasn't good. You know, I love Spielberg, but the directing wasn't good. And then they just didn't really flesh out the character of Mutt that well, played by Shia LaBeouf. And you could see it played out because people rebelled against his character. And it I, I don't know if it's necessarily Shia LaBeouf's fault. He's coming off of Transformers, and he's not in his more mature period yet. And I think he's a good actor. So I think some of it is that he's not good in it, but the role isn't really well thought out. And I think that poses a problem. I think bringing Marion back, Karen Allen, I think was great. And, and the chemistry between the three of them is great. And overall, if you take out certain key scenes, the movie is not that bad. It's not that bad. And I do kind of like having... The movie take place in the 50s and having the communists instead of the Nazis, the bad guy. That being said, it is the worst movie. Number four. This might be a shocker. I'm going Temple of Doom. Couple of reasons. Number one. Spielberg has admitted that this movie is dark. And he it talked about how he was going through a divorce with Amy Irving, who was a beautiful actress when she was younger. And... He ended up with Kit Capshaw, who's in this movie. We'll talk about that in a second. And the movie has problems. And I think when it came out, it was reflected in some of the reviews and even the box office coming off of Raiders. Temple of Doom is darker. I don't think anyone can deny it, especially in 1984 when you're dealing with the topics of child slavery <laughs> and, and human sacrifice. You, you saw in the later movies... Spielberg and Lucas didn't make the mistake, and Mangold, because Mangold did try to this last movie, didn't make the mistake of going back to those two tropes. So what do I like about Temple of Doom? I think Temple of Doom does have some great set pieces, like the, the piece on the bridge at the end, I think is, is pretty iconic, Indiana Jones. And the opening sequence is okay when they're jumping out of the plane. I think that's fine. But a lot of the middle part of the movie is not the best. And what do I have problems with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? One, Kit Capshaw's character, the lady interest, I think her name's what, Charlie in the movie, if I'm not mistaken, is, is annoying. Her voice is annoying, her crying, her screaming is annoying. I don't find there to be any chemistry. This is one of those, to me, uh, casting couch things. Spielberg's like, I don't know if they were already dating or married in 1983 when this was done. But it was kind of like, yeah, you're not that good of an actress. I'll put you in this because I have a crush and you know, I want to marry you. Or maybe they were already married and he's like, okay, I got to put you in here. But she's not good in this movie and she takes away from the movie. And you can see Kate Capshaw's career played out later. I want Let's to take let a break. you know about some of the other feeds here at the Eclectico Gregorio. The oldest one we have is The Awakened Man, which mostly deals with holistic health, medical cover-ups, ways to biohack your life to ensure longer longevity, medical conspiracies, and naturopathic stuff. We also have, and that there's probably about 400, 500 episodes over there. We started that one back in 20. 
17, 2016, I believe. We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which originally started as an essential oils feed. And there's about 100 episodes on essential oils, particular essential oils like rose and lavender and sandalwood and so forth. And then later I morphed it into more topics that are regarded for female health, female specific. We've had that feed also since 2016. And then lastly, we have Confessions of an Obese Child, which deals with my childhood obesity and trauma that came from it. So it's a great feed for those who dealt with childhood trauma that led you to have addictions to alcohol or food. And I interviewed several people and what it was like to grow up overweight and all the difficulties of losing the weight and then keeping it off and trying to metamorphosize into a regular weighted person. So check out those feeds at the Eclectical Gregory on Apple or Spotify. Her career later on shows that she wasn't that good of an actress. Now, her daughter was Spielberg, Jessica, ended up on Grey's Anatomy. She played, uh, I didn't watch that show. She's the uh, blonde orthopedic lesbian. That's their daughter, by the way. Or, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That is her daughter prior to getting with Spielberg. Her and Spielberg did have some kids. One of them ended up being a porn star. You can look that up. But that's her daughter. So that's one of the problems. Short Stack from Goonies and later Everything Everywhere ever, All at Once. He's annoying in this movie. The villain is not that interesting. And here's the, here's the deal. It's low stakes. Let's be real. With the Nazis, we know this is control of the world, a great menace. In this movie, it's, oh, this village, they lost their magical rocks the kids have been kidnapped into child slavery. Very sad. But it's low stakes. There's low stakes in this. This doesn't affect the world, really. It's indie going, getting the stones back, freeing the kids. Okay, that's great. Good story. But compared to Nazis, this, this is low stakes and therefore boring. Also, you take it out of Europe. See, most, most of the Americans are like, I would say most Americans, all the Americans, we all have a kind of a common background. And so when you have movies that have Christian symbology, when you have movies that have Nazis, you're going to be more invested. If you put a movie in rural India that focuses on a small Indian village that loses its magical rocks, eh, who really cares? So you throw that in, you throw in the darker themes, you throw in Capshaw and Short Stack not being that interesting. It's the fourth best movie. Number three, Dial of Destiny. Now, this might have some recency bias. But I think I'm going to hold it up as number three. So non-spoilers first. This movie takes place in 1969. Indy is retiring. He's teaching. He's no longer teaching at Yale. He's teaching at some school. I think Hunter College in New York City. He's got kids that are in the radical 60s completely checked out of his class. He's burnt out. Marion, who he married at the end of, of uh, Crystal Skulls, they, they separated. And his goddaughter appears played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge who is iconic from Fleabag. Fleabag is a great show if you watch it it's on Amazon Prime. I remember watching that right when it came out. I'm like this girl's going to be a star. And she's very winning in this movie as her goddaughter. Okay. So, essentially the the item that they're looking for is the Dial of Destiny created by Archimedes in the 3rd century BC and the Nazis are looking for it at the beginning of the movie. So, now I'm going to talk about the plot. So if you don't want to know about the plot, stop listening here. So the movie starts in the end of World War II, 1945. Mads Mikkelsen, who's a great villain, he's the villain from Casino Royale, among other things. He is a young Nazi scientist, and 
He has the half of the Dial of Destiny, Archimedes' Dial of Destiny. He believes it can create fissures in time. In other words, it's a time machine. So at the beginning of the movie, he and Indy battle. And it's a great opening sequence because they've done de-aging technology. So it's Indiana Jones. He kind of looks a little older than, I guess it'd be Last Crusade. Because Last Crusade takes place after Raiders. So I think that's in 1939. This is 1945. So he looks a little older, but... The thing that gives it away is Harrison Foy's voice in this, even when they're de-aging, is more curmudgeon and graspier. So you could tell it's like 80-year-old Harrison Foy's voice, even though he looks like he's 40. And it's great. The opening sequence is great. They're on this train. They're running through. It's kind of like Last Crusade's opening when they're on a train. And there's throwbacks to that. Either way, what happens is the Dial of Destiny is, is needed and... Indy's goddaughter, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, is in this movie, and she is interested in getting it. And eventually, what it is is she, at the beginning, is is a is a is a black market trader of relics. So Indiana Jones thinks that she's earnestly looking for the Doll of Destiny, and then she he finds out later she just wants to sell it on the black market, doesn't care. But eventually, of course, she ends up being a good girl. She has a sidekick by the name of Teddy, played by I, he. I don't, I don't, I don't know what his ethnicity is. Somewhere Asian, maybe South Asian, maybe Indian. He's like 15, 16 years old. So they don't make the mistake of short stack, but they give her a sidekick, and the three of them essentially are looking either for the other half of the Dial of Destiny or the map that's going to lead them to the Dial of Destiny, which takes them to some great settings. They're in Tangiers, which I've been to back in 1995. They go to Sicily. There's a great uh, chase scene in Tangiers, which I think is 10 minutes too long. And there's a great deep deep sea diving scene that has Antonio Banderas in it. And it's essentially like the other movies where the bad guys are always one step ahead, but they always catch up. And so here's the spoiler. So in the movie, Butch, played by Shia LaBeouf, is dead. He dies in the Vietnam War. They mention it. And so what happens is he joined the war despite Indy. Indy mentions this to Helena. And because of the death, it breaks uh, breaks up Marion and Indy, and they're separated at the beginning of the movie, and actually Marion's getting a divorce from Indy. So why did they do this? Well, I think Shia LaBeouf's character, Butch, was not popular in Crystal Skulls. They didn't want to bring him back. And, I mean, look, the, the timeline doesn't work because Butch probably would have been, since he was in 1957, maybe in college, because he talks about dropping out, he would have been 30 years old volunteering for Vietnam. Not a lot of 30-year-olds who were college educated, would have done this. But they had to find a way to get rid of him. So he dies. So the movie kind of deals with Indiana Jones when it's in 1969 when they're looking for the Dial of Destiny with, with Mads Mikkelsen as the older Nazi scientist. Has a lot of wistfulness in it, a lot of aging tropes, a lot of the world's passing you by kind of things. Um, the other thing is, so, which, if you delve into conspiracy theories, there's there's a lot of beliefs that the Nazis, of course, went underground and Mads Mikkelsen character, because of Operation Paperclip, ends up at the University of Alabama, or I think they call it Alabama University, not to be smirch crimson tide. And he is the scientist who helped us get to the moon. This is not that far of a ripoff of Werner von Braun, who was a Nazi scientist who we brought over in Operation Paperclip. You can look this up. It was a CIA operation to bring Nazi scientists to America so the Soviets would get them. And he helped develop the rockets that got us to space. He worked for NASA. So in 1969, uh, essentially Mads Mikkelsen character is 
keeping alive the Nazis who have gone underground. And his goal is to get the Dahl of Destiny to go back in time to 1939 to kill Hitler so he can become the Fuhrer because he believes that Hitler ruined the war. It was because of Hitler that they, the Germans lost the war, the Nazis lost the war. So there are a series of machinations, some of which are a little too long because this movie is two and a half hours long. Eventually, he gets the dial. He shoots Indiana Jones. Indiana's bleeding. He gets shot in the upper chest, like around the clavicle. Somehow he doesn't die. And of course, he's he's shot and he's probably the last 30 minutes of the movie, he's alive. They throw him on a plane. They move the dial of Destiny. He wants to go back to 1939. Indy tells him it's not going to work because he didn't um, account for continental drift. They end up in 213 BC. Now, this is the third act of the movie, which is like, okay. So they end up in the exact same town, Syracuse, Sicily, where Archimedes is when the town is under siege by the Romans. And so this is one of those kind of just defies belief credulity. So, of course, they have to do this because Indiana Jones needs to meet Archimedes, who created the Dial of Destiny, and Helena's with them. Teddy, who's this 13-year-old, learns how to fly a plane and flies the plane through the black hole that gets him to 213 BC. Again, you have to defy credulity to believe this. And Mads Mikkelsen's character ends up dying at the end, plane crash, I can't remember how. But Indiana Jones is dying of his wound. Uh, Helena's there, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And he just wants to die because he's met Archimedes. Like, this is my whole life is the past. I just want to die here. And Fiona's like, or Helena, I should say, is like, no, of course, this is stupid. You need to come back with me. He's like, no, I want to die here. Then she punches him. And we wake up, and they're back in 1969. And uh, he's recovering from his gunshot wound. And she tells him, he's like, look, if you would have stayed there, it would have changed history because Archimedes would not have done all the great things he did. And, of course, Harrison Ford, or sorry, Indiana Jones would have change history so she brought him back and at the end which is a great last five minutes they bring back marion marion ends up not divorcing him marion comes back and they have a great scene where they reproduce one of the classic scenes from raiders of the lost ark if you watch the movie you'll see and then, so the movie ends with harrison ford and karen allen together essentially kissing and then helena shaw played by phoebe waller bridge is walking off with teddy so they might do some sort of Helena Shaw in the blah, blah, blah spinoff, which I think would be fine. Phoebe Waller-Bridge it's very winning, very fits fits this role as a female Indiana Jones. But if they do this, I hope they wait about five years. I thought going into this movie that they were going to kill Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones, but they don't. So there is a chance that maybe if he lives to 90, they might bring them back in the wheelchair. The reason I think it's number three is because not just the nostalgia, but it's got Nazis. We like Nazis. And it, and it the, the scenery is really good. And the humor is good between him and Helena. And I think the movie's too long. Kind of like what we talked about with Babylon and Damien Chazelle's movie. It's like you have these directors. And Mangold did this. And he also did Wolverine and 310 to Yuma. And some other good movies. He's a good director. He does a good job. Thank God Spielberg didn't direct this movie. He just needed to shave off five minutes from every action scene and i think it would have been great the slow parts of the movie where there's character and plot development are good harrison ford acts acts pretty well in this movie he's, he's a good actor in this movie the part where they go back to 213 bc with the siege of syracuse uh, as a history geek it's great to see ancient greece pre-jesus on the, on the screen it's cool to see the old greek ships and 
the phalanxes that the Romans use, or the phalanges, I should say. It's interesting, but uh, 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 you know, there's some jetpacking at the end, and some of the, that part I don't like. But overall, it's better than, I think, Temple of Doom and Crystal Skulls. Number two, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, you're Gregory, what? Hear me out. Raiders is a lot like Star Wars A New Hope. It's the original, and because of that, it's iconic. But I think Last Crusade has elements that make it better. So we can talk about both of these movies at the same time, for the sake of brevity. I like Crusade more for a couple reasons. One, you got, you know, rest in peace, River Phoenix at the beginning when Indy is a teenager. That seems great. And look, you got Sean Connery, rest in peace. And the, and the banter and tete-a-tete between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery in this movie is great. And this movie has the most humor. So if you look at something like, something that's analogous, Return of the Jedi and Empire. Empire has got humor. Star Wars and New Hope has got humor. Return of the Jedi has no humor. There's no tension between Luke and Leia by the time we get to Return of the Jedi. And that's what makes Jedi kind of boring in that regard. So Last Crusade has the humor. It has an exceedingly beautiful Alison Moody, the Australian actress. Talk about age issues. Alison Moody, who plays the Nazi scientist, what's her name? Heidi, I don't know. They gave her some German. Elsa, right, Elsa. She's 20, 21 in this movie. She sleeps with Harrison Ford, who's 40. See, this movie was done in 89. He would have been 88. He's like 38, 39 in this movie. And she sleeps with Sean Connery. So age issues, but she's beautiful in this. You got the Nazis. You got the Holy Grail. You got the, the, the scene at the end where he's got to go through the obstacle course. I just think it's a better movie. You got the blimp. You just got the humor. You got, you got Hitler signing the book, thinking uh, that they want his autograph. I just think it's a better movie. It's got Venice in it. Come on, any movie with Venice can't go wrong. Now, because of these, what makes Raiders worse than Last Crusade? Well, this is 1A and 1B. Let's be real. There's a drop-off between Raiders and Dial of Destiny. Raiders is great. I think directorially it is better directed than Last Crusade. I mean, think of the scenes in Raiders like when Indy goes to Nepal to see Marion and he opens the door, right, and the wind and, and just and, and all the scenes around um, the end, of course, when they open the Ark of the Covenant and when he's fighting around the plane and when he finds the map room where he puts the stick in and he, he sees the light. All it just I mean, it is so beautifully directed. But I think what the movie lacks is the movie lags in certain parts, especially in the third act, when they go to the underwater or the, the base that's in the island. The long scene uh, of the chase scene that precedes that, I think, is a little long. And I think it just lacks some of the comedy that you would find in Last Crusade. And the villains, I think the villain, I can't remember the name of the French archaeologist. He's very good in Raiders. And Asala, Asala is in this movie too, Dial Destiny, as you mentioned. He doesn't have a big role, but he's the only person that's from the original movie, aside from Marion. And, I mean, look, come on, Raiders. Raiders is great, right? Bad dates. You know, there, there's there's so many good lines in that movie, and it's iconic too, but just for the sake of comedy and Connery and River Phoenix, I'm going to put Holy... Uh, I'm going to put Last Crusade with the Holy Grail just a little ahead of Raiders. Though I think Raiders is a 
better done movie. I think in terms of watchability, Last Crusade is more watchable. So in closing, I'll go from best to worst. Last Crusade, 1A. Raiders, 1B. Dial of Destiny, 3. Then Temple of Doom, I think, is a sizable drop down. And then Crystal Skulls. And to be honest, I'm probably more likely to watch and fast forward through, albeit, parts of Crystal Skulls more than I'm going to watch Temple of Doom. But I think the three Nazi ones are just the better movies. They're just the better movies. Guys, I'll post something over at Spotify. You can post a comment over there because Spotify allows you to do it if you don't agree with my ranking. I'll post something at the Cinema Rack Facebook group as well. Let me know if you agree or disagree with my ranking. Please rate and review because it helps the algorithm grow this channel. And there is also a link for PayPal. And of course, there's a link for the website that hosts all these feeds. But the best way to listen to them is on PayPal or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, take care. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.